This is the Beard Winner Podcast, episode 19. for tuning into the Beard Winner Podcast. Today, I am excited to have a really inspirational fella, Ken the Content Coach. Out of Kentucky, Ken has 20 plus years of experience with creating various forms of content. There truly is a presence when he joins a live stream. I met him through the bearded community and his positivity and encouragement are a force to reckon with, which makes me over the moon to have him as our first guest on season two. So without further ado, welcome Ken. How are you? I appreciate you having me. Hey, man, I appreciate you coming on the show. As I said in the intro, I met you on a live stream and the bearded live stream. It seems like we're both into beards and we both support the facial hair. And you are truly a force to reckon with when it comes to being positive. And people always sing your praises as soon as you jump in. They're your biggest cheerleader. So just to kind of start things off, how did you get to where you are today? So I started with a beard channel, actually. Um, I started in content creation after watching. So Dancy Bearded was the first content creator that I found that was into beards. I found him because I've been trying to grow a beard since I left the army and my beard was always just terrible. And, you know, I wasn't using products. So I started searching for, you know, how to use products, what are good products? Cause I was doing what everybody else does when they start, right. I was buying stuff at Walmart using whatever I was washing my hair. I had hair at one, at one point, whatever I was doing there, I was using and just the beard never looked good. So I started searching YouTube for beard tips and I found Dan's morning routine video. So that's how I got into the beard community. After a while, I decided to start making videos also. It seemed like a fun thing to do. Um, so that's where that started. That channel progressed. And then as that progressed, and I'm sure we'll probably talk about this, but I started learning about other passions that I had helping people in other ways. So now I'm doing the content creator content coaching channel. Beautiful. And you have 20 plus years of experience doing some form of content creation. So just going back to that and looking at it with a wide lens, what is probably the best project you've been a part of? And I don't know, like a cautionary tale or the worst project? Hmm, The best project I've been a part of. That's a tough one. I've been a part of a lot of stuff. Most of the stuff that I've done has been, I mean, really solo as far as YouTube goes, um, TikTok, things like that. Since I started on YouTube, it's been mostly solo. I mean, for the most part behind the scenes, there's a lot of guys that I work with and talk to and just bounce ideas off of and things like that. I would say the best project that I've been a part of is man, multiple, really just being able to release products on the beard channel with companies that I love and respect and support, Um, being able to hang out with other creators, you know, good friends of mine, people that I consider close friends, just being able to release products with them. That's always a, I mean, it's humbling. It's, it's, an honor to be a part of something like that. So I would say those, the worst thing I've ever been a part of, I'll just put it like this. When you first get into content creation, make sure you get to know people before you really jump into a big project with them, because sometimes that can go South. Um, and it can be for good reasons or bad reasons. I'll, I'll just kind of say it that way. Um, but just know people, you know, get to know people, trust people. Perfect. And what, what are you passionate about besides going out and helping those essentially get off the fence of pushing something out there? I mean, outside of content creation, supporting those who have that mission in life, like what gets you up in the morning? 
definitely family first. And I know that that, that may be kind of cliched. I mean, we all kind of say that, right. But, but truly my family is the reason why I do everything that I do. I'm trying to build a better life for them, um, which we have a good life. I'm trying to give them things I didn't have when I was younger. Um, but my family is the reason why I do everything I have. So I'm married, me and Mel, um, you know, you know, Mel from the community. Um, we have three kids that, man, I'm getting old. I got one that just started driving and started working. So I don't know where I got old. No, I feel that I, as soon as I started having gray hairs, I didn't go the path of settling down and having a family, but you know, as far as a drive and what makes you continue doing what you're doing, that's reminds me of my father. He and my mom come from humble backgrounds and they wanted me to, to not really want for anything. And even though they struggled earlier in life, they were able to do what they were passionate about. And I think that's really a, a great drive. I mean, and you seem to have fallen into a nice place here with 20 years of experience doing what you've been doing. But if you look at the people who are out there creating content or the people who maybe have fallen off the map, what do you think is kind of the biggest roadblock that they run into for seasoned veterans or new people who try to create content as their craft? Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to give you two. There's two roadblocks that I think a lot of creators hit. The first one of those is every creator and I don't care who they are at one point or other. We, we hit something, we feel something called imposter syndrome, you know, and, and new creators definitely feel that. I think even seasoned veterans can feel that also. They just, they've dealt with it enough. They know how to deal with it. Um, at the end of the day, imposter syndrome is an internal feeling where, and for those who don't necessarily know what imposter syndrome is, it's basically a feeling that you are not good enough, not qualified to talk about the things that you're talking about, to teach the things you're teaching. But at the same time, you have proven a track record of success. You've done a good job. You, you know, other people love what you do. You've helped people, but you still have feelings. And there's many different reasons why there's different types. Um, So imposter syndrome is one for sure. Um, The second thing I would say is running out of ideas. Um, YouTube ideas for videos are sometimes hard to come by. Sometimes you just sit here and, and you know, because you, you are a content creator too. So when you're sitting trying to think of ideas for your show, for your videos, you know, sometimes you get creative roadblocks. Um, and again, I think it's the same thing where new creators are more likely to kind of give up easier than seasoned veterans than creators have been doing it for a long time. You have to be able to figure out ideas. There's so many ways to do that. And you know, also continue to evolve your your channel, your craft, your your podcast, whatever it is you're creating. You have to be able to evolve and come up with ideas. So when you hit those roadblocks personally, how do you push past them? Do you do some research? Um, do you just literally sit there and have to overcome the biggest obstacle being yourself? Or what do you think is the best piece of advice you would give yourself? So yeah, with imposter syndrome, Definitely. That's an internal thing. That's something that we have to just kind of push ourselves through. Um, luckily I've always been a mentally strong person. Now that doesn't mean I don't have my moments because I certainly do. And when I have those moments, I'll just kind of sit here alone, listen to music, think, you know, chat with Mel, chat with people I trust, whatever. Um, I know that I'm good at what I do. I'm not the best. There's so much things, so many ways I could do things better, but I know I'm good at what I do. And so when I do have those moments where I'm feeling imposter syndrome, or I feel like I'm not qualified to talk about this subject, I just find ways to push through it. And that's what you have to do. Um, Anytime somebody feels like they're not good enough or they're not qualified or, you know, whatever feeling somebody may have about 
about what they're doing. And that's not necessarily only a content creation thing. This can be for any, any field, any thing, somebody, you know, their job, their career, anything somebody's doing. But when you have those feelings, you have to figure out a way internally to deal with that. Sometimes that's talking to other people. Sometimes that's just sitting, convincing yourself that you're good enough. At the end of the day, we're all good enough. We just have to figure that out in ourselves and push past that. No, that's, that's great advice. I mean, quite honestly, I watching your Instagram and, and I strongly suggest that people tune into your Instagram because it will help you feel motivated watching your reels and the content that you push out as far as your stories. But um, outside of that, I mean, how do you get people to be, stay engaged like within people following you? Because that seems to be my biggest roadblock is figuring out. And that's also leaning on imposter syndrome that you described um, to see whether or not people really the content you're pushing out, I guess I'm trying to say is worthy of their time investment to actually tune in. Yeah, there's man, that could be like a whole show in itself. Yeah. That topic um, engagement, as far as, you know, social media engagement, and then you have YouTube engagement, which is a whole different animal. Um, how to keep people engaged. I think it's important to have a combination of not only all, you know, content centric content on your platform, um, I think one thing that's really important and I try to do, and I probably don't do this good enough is share yourself with those that follow you with those that support you share, you know, pictures of family moments, talk about personal things, just so people feel that they know you. I think the more that people feel that they know you, the more engagement and the more people are going to respect and support what you're doing. Also creation business wise, however you want to say that if people know who you are, by what you're sharing with them personally, I think, you know, you know what I mean? It builds relationships with people in that way. One thing that's really important to me, and this is whether you are talking about working with companies or, you know, putting out content for your audience, whatever you are doing, whatever your platform is pushing out, the most important thing you can do is build relationships with people. A lot of people come into content creation and it's, you know, what can this do for me? What will I get out of this? What, how is this going to help me? How am I going to make money? What is this going to do for me? Instead of thinking, what am I going to do for others? How am I going to build relationships with other people? Whether that's with companies, again, companies or, you know, the people watching your videos, you have to find ways to foster relationships and get to know people because that's when you truly connect with people. For sure. And when you're reviewing stuff, that's kind of walking a sort of a fine line. How do you approach being constructively critical and also not just being an overall fanboy of their product? Yeah, that's something that um, luckily when I first started reviewing products, I had good people in my corner that really helped me out. Dan being one of them. Dan and I literally talk every day. Uh, me and Jay Cruz talk every day. Um, I had good people in my corner that were really helping me know how to do this the right way. Um, one thing that I'm really proud of is that in all the time that I ever reviewed products, I never once asked for a free product. I never reached out to any companies and asked them for anything. I built relationships. The relationship thing for me, you'll probably hear me say that again on this show or even among content relationships are important. Um, but to answer that question, the first thing is building that relationship. If you're working directly with companies and you have, you know, like I have a, a, a set of companies that I work with. I've got a couple of companies that I work behind the scenes with helping with products, you know, things like that. If you have that relationship first, then it's easier to be able to give them constructive criticism. When it comes to reviewing products, it's very important to, to do that. Because first of all, if, you, if you're reviewing products and you're the fanboy type like you're talking about, 
your audience is going to know that very quickly. They're going to be able to figure out pretty quick if you're genuine in your reviews. The companies that I've worked with behind the scenes, I have given plenty of constructive feedback. I'll give you Alley Cat, for example. Uh, Gary started working on that stuff February 2021. I hesitate. I want to make sure I had it right because ever since 2020, every time just seems to fly by. But um, February 2021 is when he started working on that. And I gave him plenty. Um, Holly from Whiskey and Hardtack, her and I have had conversations about, you know, stuff that I didn't care for. You know, same thing with Chris and the Bearded Mac. It, again, if you have those relationships, it's easy to be upfront, you know, give that constructive criticism because they know it's coming from a place of love and from somebody wanting them to support, uh, to uh, succeed. Also, you have to be good at compartmentalizing. You have to be able to separate business and personal. That's something that is definitely a learned skill. I think I wouldn't say that I've always been good at that, but you have to figure that out in order to succeed with product reviews and working directly with companies. For sure. And it seems like you have a lot of emotional intelligence that you employ with that. And also, yeah, I've, I've noticed that in one of the Dan C's live streams, he talked about how people need to be more resilient because there are going to be haters that are going to come in. Like what's your biggest challenge or your biggest piece of advice for people who start to catch flack from people who may be a fanboy and, you were honestly um, candid about your review, but still constructive. Wait a minute. There's haters on the internet. Oh, tons. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, haters and trolls on the internet have been a thing since the internet was first a bulletin board, right? Those are never going to go away. Um, you have to have, I mean, the, the first thing that I would say for haters and trolls and, you know, criticism is that you have to have thick skin to do this, especially talking, reviewing products, right? Because you're always going to have somebody that doesn't like something and somebody that does, no matter what you're reviewing. You, you could review the greatest thing since, I mean, I don't want to use cliched sayings, but you know, you could have the greatest thing since sliced bread, I guess. That's the first thing that came to mind. And somebody's still going to hate it, right? So when you're reviewing products, you're going to have that. It's very rare to have something that everybody loves. I'd, I'd be willing to bet that that doesn't exist. So the, that's what you have to realize first. You have to have thick skin. You have to be resilient. The word that you used, 100%. Those people are going to come after that. Just realize that that's going to happen. Don't take it personal. Um, it's it's hard in the moment when you're seeing the comments and you and you know that things are going on. In the moment, it's hard. And I remember the first time it ever happened to me because I feel like I have a good platform. I'm a positive person. You know, I pretty much get along with everybody unless you've somehow you know personally attacked or you know what I mean. Um, I, but I pretty much get along with almost anybody. So the first time that I ever noticed hate coming my way, I was like, wait a minute, what is this? I, you know, I, I expected it because I know the internet that that is a thing, but I didn't expect it to come my way when it happened. So it's something that uh, over time I get used to it. You just have to be okay with it. It's easy for a person on the internet behind a keyboard, or even in some cases behind a camera to, to attack somebody. You know, you just have to know that most of the time, those people wouldn't say that to you in person. You know, keyboards make people brave, things like that. Don't take it personal. Um, if I can't respond to somebody with love, then I won't respond at all. But even in saying that, I make sure that I respond when you're talking comments. If there's a hateful comment or something, I make sure I respond to everything. I do it professional with respect back. You know, there's another thing to that, too. You never know what somebody's dealing with or going through. Um, there's a saying that's true that I believe 100% hurt people hurt people. And you don't know what somebody's dealing with. You just kind of have to hope that 
Maybe there's something you can say politely, respectfully back to them that may help them. Um, and if not, that's okay too. Maybe one day they'll come around, but yeah, just be ready for it. Deal with it. Um, if you're going to succeed in anything publicly, you're going to deal with haters and trolls. A hundred percent. And and that other saying that goes, that comes to mind is that they're going to beat you with experience after they drag you down essentially. Yeah. 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 And I think letting that stuff roll off your back is, is definitely the way to go and approach it with humor. Like we brought up Dan C in the past and he actually will make a response to a comment um, on YouTube or on Instagram where he puts a sense of humor into it, but then still comes from a place of love. And that really is the direction that I approach things as well too, that if I'm going if feeling that gut instinct to come after someone with wrath, I just, I just pause and I say, that's, that's not worth my time. And I don't want to get down on their level. I love what Dan's doing with Instagram where he's posting his uh, comment of the day. Now I don't get nearly as many types of comments as he does. And that comes with the territory, right? He has far more subscribers than I do. He's, you know, the stuff that he's doing is a little bit different than what I'm doing. Um, you know, it'll eventually come a little bit more on, on my new channel, but um, I love what he's doing, putting those comments up on Instagram. A lot of them are funny to read. Exactly. And humor is a great way to get people to buy in as well, too. And also for people to know, like you said, a genuine sense of self and have that internal voice, because I don't think a lot of people, and Dan brought that up on a previous show, have an internal dialogue and they just put it out there and then they it's too late to insert foot and mouth. So how do, besides approaching things with love, how do you approach that as far as like thinking before you speak and reacting versus responding or responding versus reacting. I said that backwards. That is a learned trait that has come with plenty of failures and experience. Um, 10 years ago, five years ago, even I would have been a whole lot more, you know, quicker to respond and, and just fly off the handle. Um, I think especially as men, right? Because we are, as much as we don't want to admit it, um, we are emotional creatures. We're just different our emotions come out differently, right? A lot of times it comes in quick tempers and anger and things like that. Now, how we deal with the anger is a different story, but we're men, we get there, right? Um, that's a learned trait that I've picked up over, honestly, just messing up too many times and saying things that I shouldn't have said. Um, and that's, and, you know, that's in work relationships at home. I mean, you know, me and Mel are awesome and all that, but we have our moments too, right? I mean, every married couple does. And I've just learned over time that speaking before you really think about it is never the way to go. Now, talking about that on something like a YouTube comment, it's easier because you're, you're not actually speaking out loud to that person in the moment. You're having to type it out. I don't know about you, but with me, when I have to type something out, obviously it makes you think about it a little bit more. Sometimes if I type something out and then I go back and reread it before I hit post, I realize like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't put it that way. Now, I wish people had that delay, you know, just before hitting that send button, because I learned that when I was much younger. And I think that as far as age is definitely, like you said, five years has tempered me down and, and made me just more calm as far as how I approach things. But I remember a, a boss told me, he said, type the email, but before you do it, just put it in your drafts and come back to it maybe an hour later and see if you still want to send it that way. And you know what? Even typing it out is therapeutic. Even if you have no intention of actually sending it, a lot of times what I'll do if I have a comment that's, you know, something that's that's hate or if, you know, a message I need to send to somebody or whatever, I, instead of typing it out on Instagram or in the comment box or whatever, I'll go to my notes app on my phone or on my Mac and I'll type it out there because then I can't accidentally send it. Like if I don't want to hit the post button, I can't accidentally hit that button. It's typed out in notes. And even if I never intend to send that message, I still got it out. 
even if nobody ever sees it, it's in my notes app. It'll never leave there. And I'll probably delete that note in the next 10 minutes, but I still typed it out. That is therapeutic. No, I never thought of that. I mean, definitely. I think that would be a safe way too, and also just a way to get that initial reaction out of you because it's probably somewhat therapeutic to actually have that release of that energy from that negativity blast that you just got or whatever caused you to start to type that. Yeah. Cause here, you know, here's something a lot of people don't think about when you, when you make a comment on a YouTube video, I've, and I've had this happen several times where I'll go back and try to look for this comment and it's gone. When you make a comment on a YouTube video, that creator gets an email if they have that set up that way. So there's an email that comes to my inbox every time a comment is left. I usually don't look at the emails, but you know, sometimes I'll see one come through that just catches my eye because you can tell the comment is something out of left field. Um, so even if you leave a comment, if you delete it right away, that creator still gets it. So they still see it. So just keep that in mind. That's why I started typing things out in notes and stuff like that first. So I can't accidentally send it. If I've left a comment somewhere, or if I've sent you a message, more than likely I fully intended to send that message. Now, to be clear, I still mess up. I'm I'm not perfect just like nobody else. There are still times that I send messages or comments that I didn't really that I probably shouldn't have or didn't think clearly through before I sent. It still happens, but I find if I type it somewhere else first, that helps me a whole lot to not do that. No, 100%. I'm I think that it's really awesome that you're still human and you're still willing to put that out there because that piggybacks off of being your genuine self because people really are great at smelling out our BS and, and don't want that to lean too much into you feeling like an imposter in any way, shape or form, anyone out there who does this. But in the same respect, people can feel that facade. And it's just like, for instance, something as far as like a game show where they have people singing, someone who's able to put their emotions into a song and sing that song with pure emotion, they're going to win a lot of more hearts and minds than someone who's just out there to see, you know, what is, what's this, what's in this for me, essentially. Yeah. That's why I've never gone on any singing shows. Nobody wants to hear that. No, yeah. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> It'd be like nails on the chalkboard with me trying to carry a tune. <laughs> right. My wife tells me I'm good, but I think she's supposed to say that. Yeah, she may be a little bit partial, just a, just a tad. <laughs> yeah, I think she loves me a little bit. Well, you two are awesome as far as hopping on together. I mean, she has been parts of your videos on YouTube, and that's kind of a way I want to segue into what do you believe, based on your goals, are going to be a huge factor in this, is the best way to not put too many irons in the fire as far as getting your your blog post out, your uh, podcast? I mean, is it to focus on YouTube, Instagram, our video podcast or audio podcast still relevant? And I hate to say the word blog because I don't really see it very often anymore besides Reddit, but are blogs something that are still relevant? Actually, blogs can be very valuable. Um, I'll come back to that in just a second. Um, as far as not putting too many irons in the fire, man, especially for new creators, that's so easy to do because there's so many things you know, you sit and think of ideas of what you want your platform to look like. And, you know, you want to have obviously your YouTube channel. You most of the time you want social media. You don't necessarily need social media to help promote your YouTube, but it definitely helps. Right. It helps get you that little bit more exposure out there. Um, so you have that you have social media. You know, are you going to have a website? You know, I've got a website that I maintain. Um, you know, that's important to me because it's just another fact or another, I'm sorry, another play into the SEO, right? If you have a website out there, that's another way people can find you. If you're optimizing that site the right way, that's obviously a different conversation. Um, you have, so you have your website, you have social media, you have some other things you have to kind of, and 
this is something I still struggle with, man. This is one of the things that I work on pretty much every day is not overcommitting. Um, whether that's to myself or to somebody else, you, um, you have to figure out what you're able to do. There's some people that do this. They don't necessarily have a full-time job outside. So they have all the time in the world to sit and commit to content creation. Um, I've got a full-time job, so I have to figure out how to work the time that I have into getting it done. So that is, that's a tough question. That's something that everybody has to deal with. The best thing I can say to that is, you know, temper your expectations, make sure you're not overcommitting. Now, the way that I handle my kind of outlook on the way all of that works, no matter what you decide to build your platform around. In my case, YouTube is my main platform. So everything that I do is in an effort to drive everybody to YouTube. So my website, I want that to drive people to YouTube. My Instagram, I want that to drive people to YouTube. I try that on TikTok. TikTok, people don't really care about your YouTube channel. TikTok's a, a, its own animal. Um, so TikTok's kind of my fun place. But that's really the best advice I have for that. I'm, I'm still figuring that out myself, though. That's that's one of my flaws. So do you invest any time on Facebook, or do you think that that ship has kind of sailed as far as putting your um, brand and your message out on there? Or do you think Instagram is the best place um, to, especially within evolving? I mean, cause right now it's going to be relevant, but 10 years from now is Instagram going to be the thing or is everyone going to be on TikTok? If you were to forecast it's really it? hard. Yeah. Really hard to say. Um, I, I definitely prefer Instagram over Facebook. I have a Facebook group. I have a Facebook page. That's, you know, one thing I love is that it is tied to Instagram. So when I post to Instagram, I can make it automatically post to Facebook also. But even then, the way things work on Facebook are different, right? Your your images are a different aspect ratio. Your um, hashtags can be different. All the stuff that you use to make your, you know, to get exposure on your post is a little bit different between both sites. I don't think that I would say that Facebook is necessarily irrelevant. Um, Facebook can be powerful. Facebook group is one way to really, you know, you can use Facebook to build your community there. I don't invest as much time in Facebook though, as I do Instagram and I probably should do better. I just, I've always had this opinion about Facebook, which is my own problem, right? Um, I think for me, what I've noticed so far right now, Instagram is definitely probably is what's getting me the biggest exposure. Um, Instagram keeps evolving. They're evolving reels, stories. You know, they keep adding features that help creators. Uh, Facebook hasn't evolved much. And it's funny because they're owned by the same company, right? Um, So, yeah, Instagram for sure. Will TikTok ever take over that? I don't know. TikTok is definitely a powerful platform. But like I said a second ago, it's its own animal. Um, TikTok is kind of my my play area. I've started to get more serious on TikTok, trying to stick directly to my niche. I actually went through a couple of days ago and deleted a whole bunch of old TikTok videos that had nothing to do with what I'm doing now. But I think TikTok can be powerful in other ways for actual businesses. Um, and what I mean by actual businesses, because Ken, the content coach is a business. I'm just not a, a big, well-known business now. And obviously I'm going to be an ultra niche business because it's content creators. But businesses like, you know, uh, Skull Shaver, for example, I'll use that just because I work with them. Um, Businesses can use TikTok in a way to kind of get their brands out there. Instagram also, I don't know. I'm really not sure about that. If TikTok would ever take over IG, there could be something else that comes along we haven't even heard of yet. That's the thing about social media. It evolves so much and so often. And it's adapted a lot because I think that the reels that are coming from Instagram are definitely influenced, at least in my what I've observed, in my opinion. Um, of what is created on 
those short little videos from Snap or Snapchat. Yeah, I didn't actually meant to say that this time, and then TikTok as well too. So I think that being adaptive and knowing what's out there is really a good path to go, as well as exploring it and keeping on brand. Because you know, in, you said TikTok is going to be more of your fun place, but also when you re- remove those videos, were they just not on brand, or what was the motivation behind deleting those? Yeah, see, and that's where I'm trying to figure that out, right? So um, TikTok is you know so the tiktok videos now to what you just said first of all tiktok has definitely had a huge influence on instagram and youtube as far as reels and youtube shorts go instagram is doing some things better tiktok's doing some things better that's just kind of how that works with any you know companies but tiktok's had a huge influence on not only those style of videos but also audience attention spans because on tiktok it's like seven seconds seven seconds is your is your target video length, right? For, well, there's there's other video links, but seven seconds is kind of like the thing with TikTok. You have to hook somebody in your first like two to three seconds. If you don't hook somebody immediately, they just scroll past, that finger moves up. So um, they have definitely had a huge influence. And sorry, what did you ask me just now? No, it's, I, I honestly was going to uh, see whether or not it was somewhere to where, like why the videos were deleted, whether they were just not on brand or... Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So I was doing, uh, trying to figure out how to use TikTok. Two years ago, I said that I would never use TikTok. I thought TikTok was dumb and I, I'm never going to be on TikTok. And now here I am on TikTok with, um, you know, almost 6,000 followers. Um, TikTok can be powerful. The reason I deleted the videos is because when I first started my TikTok, I didn't really have a a path. I wasn't using it properly for my niche. So I was doing just whatever was trending you know, trying to get people, trying to get my video out there so it would go viral, so I would get followers that way. I figured out that's really not the way to do it. Um, there's this whole conversation for all the platforms about how do I go viral? People always ask, how can I go viral? I want to go viral. For me, going viral is not the goal. And that's something that I've figured out because when I started TikTok, I, I had this perception of what TikTok was, and I've learned now what it truly is and what it can be used for. So the goal is not to go viral, the goal is to find your audience that needs your content. And so now it's, it's basically the transition for me, just doing whatever's trending at the moment to actually making every video on niche about content creation, trying to help other creators either through a quick tips video on TikTok or helping them find the content in other places that may help them to become, you know, either become content creators or elevate their content creation. And also it, it breaks down barriers as far as equipment needs because both of us are talking on, on microphones um, with boom arms, et cetera, and it's taken a while to build up the actual equipment that's needed. And you're also really good at saving and not being someone who wants to go out and grab something and put it on credit or something to that degree with your your new camera. But when you're first starting, um, this two-pronged question, what equipment is basically needed if you want to do video and audio? And then secondly, um, how do you practice that restraint, not to pull the trigger on something and kind of get the card in front of the horse. Yeah. So what I tell every new creator, the order that I would focus on when you are starting a channel, when you're talking equipment, lighting first, because with lighting, you can make almost any camera look good. Not great, not perfect, but good. Right. Um, Next thing is a microphone and it doesn't have to be an expensive microphone you can use. And we'll get to the phone in a second, but there's a lot of microphones that'll work well with a phone. Um, I've got this camera's off to the side. I've got a microphone that I'm testing right now. It's the new, um, the Rode, uh, the brand new Rode mic. I'm testing that one. It's a inexpensive mic. 
that works well with iPhones, with Samsung, whatever phone you have. So audio, definitely audio can be the difference between if somebody stays and watches your video. There's a lot of people that will watch a video with less than, you know, 1080 quality video. But if the audio is bad, odds are they're going to click away and find the next video because a lot of people, a lot of people listen to YouTube videos, podcast style. So audio, definitely important. And then the third thing is your camera. These these iPhones, these Samsung cameras, man, I don't know what phone you have, but the iPhone 13, especially the camera on this thing is fantastic. I, you know, when I started Bluegrass Bearded, I used, I had an iPhone 11. It was great too. My first, um, and I don't know the actual count. I just always say roughly a hundred videos. I don't know how close that is to being accurate, but basically my point is for the first year and a half that I was making videos on Bluegrass Bearded, I was using only an iPhone. That's all I did. And my videos still did well. They took off. I didn't have necessarily as good of videos you would have with an actual mirrorless camera or DSLR, but they make great video. Camera is not something you really need to right away spring for. So that's what I always say, lighting, audio. And I mean, speaking of that, what I was using with that was a $40 mic from Amazon that just plugged into my phone. So um, you can literally start a channel with a, a, a $30 ring light from Walmart a $40 microphone, and then whatever camera you already have in your hand. You're walking around with a phone. I mean, most people have a smartphone these days. You have a camera right there. So so that's all you need to start as far as how I how I keep myself. They call it gas, right? It's the gear acquisition syndrome. Mm-hmm. The way that I keep myself from doing that, first of all, I've been down that road of credit cards and buying things as soon as I wanted them. So I've learned that the hard way. Um proud to say we have zero debt at this point other than our mortgage. And I plan to keep it that way. Yeah. Um, because I've gotten in trouble with credit cards. So that's, that's where for me, that's where that comes from. Um, when you start a YouTube channel or any form of content creation, you want to make sure you're going to stick with, and this goes for anything, right? I had somebody asking me about shaving their head the other day. Should they buy a skull shaver? And I was like, well, make sure that you want to keep shaving your head first. Cause that, it, that is an investment. It's, it's more expensive than a razor you buy, you know? Um, make sure that you're going to stick with it. Make sure that what you think you're going to do, make sure that's what you're going to keep doing. And then if you stick with that, then slowly upgrade your equipment. Um, I didn't buy my first actual camera, my Canon M50 until, uh, over a year after I started my first channel. And that makes sense. I also had the gear acquisition syndrome with photography. I always thought that I needed to get the best possible body, the best possible lens. And, not without even doing any research of whether or not that was going to improve my actual output of what I shot versus taking what was free and going out and shooting and exercising that muscle. So I think that like you, your, your credo says is just, just push record. And I'm I'm probably butchering that. But, um, as far as doing that, I think actually recording on what you have is probably going to yield better results than going out and buying a bunch of gear and then feeling overwhelmed with credit card debt. Cause I've also, bailed myself out as far as digging that huge hole with, with credit cards. And, and I've been there as well too. And I'm almost debt debt free without the huge burden of student loan debt. But in the same respect, I don't want to go out and buy something that I may not use a year from now. So I totally get that. Yeah. It's easy to do. Uh, What I don't want creators to do when they start out is, is not start because they don't have the gear. We all have different budgets, right? Um, I'm by no means, I'm not a rich man. Um, I got three kids. How can I be rich? Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what I don't want creators to do is to not start because they don't have that and they can't afford that equipment. If you can somehow come up with just enough to get, you know, the microphone that I talked about some lighting and lighting can even be 
you know, sit in front of a window. If you have some overhead lighting, sit, position yourself perfectly right there. Um, there's plenty of ways to get it done. I, I, there's a lot of creators that don't start because they think that they need to buy all the best stuff. You really don't. No, um, like not right said, up front. $30 ring light at Walmart. I mean, that's something that's easily, you can either not buy a beard oil for once you know, and wait a week, or you can not buy beer right. if you're into craft beer. And I think that's easily obtainable. Yeah. I mean, the ring and the ring light that I'm talking about, it's literally still sitting right in front of me. I'm still using that ring light. Now I have some other lighting also. Lighting is one thing I need to upgrade, but I'm doing okay right now. That's that's on the list. When I eventually get to the place where I want to buy that, I will, but I don't have to have it today. I'm doing okay with what I have. And on the software side of things, what do you suggest those who capture audio? Like if you have a way of recording it directly to your computer, um, I personally use Audacity until I can actually justify using uh, Adobe's addition pr uh, program or application, whatever the young kids call it these days. But as far as capturing that audio and video, what's the best free resources out there or most uh, affordable ones? Yeah, so Audacity is great. I've used Audacity before. Um, if you're a Mac person, there's GarageBand, which is fantastic. I still use GarageBand for all kinds of things. Um, iMovie, iMovie, if you have a Mac, it's free. It will do some audio stuff too. You can, you can edit audio only and then export it as an MP3. Those would be the main ones. Um, as far as video editing goes, I mean, there's, there's InShot. There is, I know a lot of people use, I've been using the same editing software for a long time now, so I keep drawing a blank on what these are called. Um, DaVinci Resolve, a lot of people use. I don't personally know that one. I've never used it, but I, I've, I hear a lot of people talk about it. Um, there's all kinds of free options. There's still people that do all of their editing on their phones. God love them. I couldn't do it. I, <laughs> I you know, I, I prefer to be on a desktop, but there's people that there's people you'd be surprised to know edit on their phones that have huge channels. Wow. And honestly, I think that kind of helps you get past the excuse of I don't have the gear to do it. And I mean, if you have a iPhone 10, 11, or even newer, like an iPhone 13, like we sport, I think you have everything you need in your pocket to at least try to get your video out there in some way, shape or form, right? Oh yeah. If you have an iPhone 13, you have everything you need. You have your camera, the built-in camera app, you have iMovie, you can get it done. You can download, there's free apps to do it. You know, like I said, InShot, there's so many others that I'm just drawing a blank on what they're called, but the point is they're out there. So that should never be a reason for somebody to not start. Cool. No, and, and I think that uh, actually getting it out there is really refreshing. Do you ever have something that's recorded and it's on deck to actually be published? And do you ever have second thoughts about that? Every video that I create, I have second thoughts about. Um, and I think that's where the imposter syndrome thing comes from. And, or, you know, that's, it comes from the imposter syndrome. Um, you know how it is, man, because you create also, when you create something, when you put it out there, it's got your name on it. It's yours. You created it. It's got your stamp. When people see that, they're going to know, you know, that was Beard Winner. That's the Beard Winner podcast, or that's Ken's video. He made that. You want that to be the best it can possibly be. At the same time, you should want to be unique from others, you know, have unique takes, be a little bit different somehow. And so, yeah, every time that I create something, I second guess it. Um, I'm working on, I'm finishing up something. Um, which I can't say what it is now. It's not public yet, but I'm finishing up something that I'm like, am I really qualified to put this out there? I know that I am because what I'm putting out there, I've literally done, but it's still, it's still that thought, right? I'm going to get past it. I'm going to put it out there. It's going to be fine. But yeah, I second guess pretty much everything. 
Me too. It's I'll actually have a podcast and I'll publish it and it takes a while for it to go on Spotify after it goes on Apple podcast and I'll say, is that really what I wanted to say? But then from there, when I see the the engagement of people listening, that kind of tells me as, as far as whether it is good. And I think that that's also with the approach of what you talked about of not wanting to necessarily go viral. You want to figure out what you can do for other people and add value to their life because time is an asset and people either are going to be hooked in right away. They're going to fast forward to someone else and they're going to invest that time more wisely if you're not putting that out there. So I think that really is self-aware for lack of a better way of articulating that. Yeah. At the end of the day, I don't, I don't, I don't care if you're, if you're a content creator, I don't care if we're talking podcasts, YouTube videos, Instagram reels, TikTok, whatever it is you're creating. Our job as content creators is not us first. What can I put out there? How can I go viral? What attention can I get? What money can I make? Our reason for creating content is to solve somebody's problem, to solve their pain points. Sometimes just simply to entertain them, right? Um, I think where where some content creators, where a lot of content creators get it wrong is that, you know, they think it's, we do this for ourselves. I'm going to get rich doing this, or I'm going to get famous or whatever. At the end of the day, if you're not solving people's problems, if you're not helping them somehow, then you really have no audience because you haven't given reasons for anybody to watch your content. And obviously, you know what happens then. You really don't have a platform, right? Exactly. It goes away and time is an investment. And it reminds me of Shark Tank as far as what Kevin O'Leary or Mark Cuban say on that show, like you're solving a problem. And those are usually the products that they invest in. And same thing with people who are looking for how to do beard care. They're going to find Dan C or they're going to find yourself. Like I found um, the whiskey and hardtack uh, bar soap that they have, um, Sleepwalker. And I wanted to know how to use it because I had a buddy kind of tell me that it can crumble or if you get it too wet and you actually showed in your video that you keep it away from the water and it's going to last you as long as, as you need it to use. And it's literally going to lather like no other um, material out there that I've ever seen. So that's in myself as far as being someone who's getting into the bearded community and wanting to grow a, a better beard. I think that having the ability to search something and have that relevance video come up of how to style your beard, how to care for it is going to help someone buy into that. Cause I started listening to Dan's live streams and Jay Cruz's just because I know the value that they add. Like even recently Jay Cruz did um, a Valentine's day special with jo- copper Johns. And he talked about, you know, mental health being a big thing. And that's something that I focus on a lot with my podcast. So I think that is going to help other people in, like you said, don't be self-serving want to serve your audience. Right. I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of excited though, that you found my video over Dan's. I'm gonna let him know. I like that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Obviously I'm kidding. Um, yeah. And that's, that's something too, that, um, talking about imposter syndrome and what drives you and what, you know, do you second guess things and all that when you hear, con- you know, comments like that, that my, when you literally hear from somebody that your video will help them, that for me, that, that makes it worth it. That's all I need to know. I had somebody leave a comment the other day on a, on a roadcaster pro video that I have on my um, content creator channel. And they said that of all the videos that they've watched on how to use the roadcaster, that I was the first one to explain why I use a certain setting. I use master compressor instead of compressing each channel individually. Um, they left a comment and said that I was the first video that they've seen that actually explained why I use master compressor. And on one hand, I know that, that there are other videos out there that explain it because I've seen them. But at the same time, this person found my video and I was able to help him with that. So that man, that's just like, okay, I'm ready to create another video. That's, that's inspiring. It's humbling. It's, it's motivating. No, hundred so percent. You actually had that proof in the pudding come 
out where someone said, hey, honestly, your video added value. And that actually makes me want to tune into your videos and watch that because I recently acquired a roadcaster myself. And quite honestly, it's like flying blind right now because like similar to a camera, you should be able to get proficient enough with it to where you could use it in the dark and essentially use it without thinking as much. But that's where I think people need to check you out who are getting into content creation, whatever level they're at, whatever gear they have. And what are the some of the best ways for that them to do that? I mean, definitely KenTheContentCoach.com is a great place for a jumping off point and also Ken underscore the content coach on Instagram. But how would you suggest people reach out to you? What's the easiest way for them to get in touch with you, man? Yeah, so definitely, um, you know, my YouTube channel, um, Ken the Content Coach. My email is Ken at KenTheContentCoach.com. I'll literally, if somebody emails me, um, Instagram would be, you know, between email and Instagram, those are usually the two best. Um I'm usually always looking at one of those if I'm awake, but, um, you know, if somebody messages me and needs help, I will always get back to them. It may not be immediately if I'm sleeping or if I'm filming or something, but I'll always get back to people. And even if there's something, somebody asked me a question, they sent me an email the other day and asked me something about VMix. Um, VMix is another live streaming platform. I've never used it. I've always been a Mac guy. VMix is windows only. So I know nothing about VMix but I knew who to direct them to. So I sent them to another um, creator friend of mine. Um, I'll always get back to you. Even if I don't know the answer, I'll help find you the answer. And I could attest to that. I mean, my first message was just, I think you, someone introduced you on one of the live streams is either Jay Cruz or Dan. And I reached out to you just to see, you know, what, it, what it, it was like to work with you. And honestly, you were real receptive. You asked what kind of microphone I had, and then even pointed me in the direction of someone who does podcast content creation as well too. I haven't, to be honest, really reached out to that person, but I'm really happy that I've had the chance to sit down with you and also um, meet you as it, and hopefully become a friend of yours and gain that mutual respect and trust that everyone else has built. Because like you said, just whole big picture when you're working with anyone, you can either make or break it with the relationships that you build or the ones you cease to build. Yeah. And I'm honored you asked me to come on. I mean, I mean, honestly, my platform is no better than anybody else's. You know, you have a platform, so I'm honored you asked me on your platform. Uh, I, I think I've, I'm opinionated about this topic. I think there's a lot of creators that, that, you know, blow up in subscriber counts, whatever, and they get big heads and, you know, think that now my platform is too good. I will never be that person. Um, if I ever get that big, I'll stop what I'm doing because I never want to be somebody that feels like, you know, a, a message is not worth answering. I will always do my best to make sure that I help anybody that reaches out. And that's a great approach. You have a level ahead. You're really humble and easy to reach out to. So I think that if you have any trepidation or hesitation to reach out to Ken, I sincerely suggest you do so in any of the contact methods mentioned in there. And I'll also put those in the show notes as well. But I want to make sure that I thank you for coming on my show. I, I'm mutually as honored to have you, man. Honestly, like I said in the intro, you have just a really awesome presence and people know you in this industry because of the relationships you built, the positivity, and then also people know that you're a source of truth for getting a level-headed um, take on something. Yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Thank you much. I appreciate everyone tuning in and please uh, stay tuned for another episode of the beard winner podcast. I sincerely appreciate your support and thank you so much for listening.